second to Friday. Friday is a cool day, kind of the day where you sort of review the week, plan for the week ahead. For those of you who follow me, you know that uh, I believe in TGIS, which is uh, the grind includes Saturday and Sunday. But Fridays has become the day when we welcome fellow entrepreneurs and fellow business people that are can be huddlers in the hot seat. And today we got a doozy. My friend, my partner um, in, in crime, uh, Sean Flood, who will be coming to us live from Germany. So uh, he's in Germany today attending a show. He'll have lots of great um, feedback conversation. Uh, you know, hopefully you guys get involved in the question and answer because it'll be super, super cool. And he's uh, a uh, entrepreneur. He is an entrepreneur. And we, you know, based on oh, what yeah. we, entrepreneur. We, an entrepreneur is right. He's, uh, that's how I met him. I actually met him uh, when uh, Mark was uh, attending and working at Florida State's. Uh, Sean owned the company that had the electric rides through uh, gains uh, through uh, Tallahassee. And that turned out to be the whole Southeast, the whole country. So we've worked together for years. You never know what the conversation is going to be like when two entrepreneurs get together. Uh, prior to doing that, I always like to shout out people in the huddle who uh, go above and beyond or do cool things. We all know Randy Ostrow. Uh, Randy is the, you know, the, the perfect follow-up guy. Um, so I get just a note from uh, Randy Ostrow in the mail. Happy birthday to you. Thank you for all the wisdom and positivity you share. You know, big happy birthday to me, which will be next Wednesday. Um, an interesting question for everybody here is, do you work on your birthday? I'll be working this year. I'll turn 63. We are off next Friday and then through July 4th. So taking off Wednesday seemed ridiculous. And then Maria Pamagero, whoa, I just dropped the card, uh, sends me a, a birthday card as well with, with a LinkedIn follow-up that thanked me for all the wisdom, the mentorship. So happy that I'm in her life. And for all of you who think it doesn't matter, it does. That extra touch, that extra note, and whether you do it, physically or you do it digitally with video follow up and let people know what you're thinking because as I you know Sean and I will share we were in the middle of a deal with um, somebody who um, just unfortunately uh, unexpectedly passed away right in the middle of our deal so uh, you just never know but thank you thank you thank you let's get to it we'll, we'll do wake up music his walk-up music is fantastic, man. This is not the typical rock and roll guy, so uh, stay tuned. Sean Flood is right behind us.
graces Think I'll slip on down to the oasis So I've got a friend in love, I say So I'm not sure if that song was a dig towards me because I'm definitely in low places. Welcome to my friend, my partner, the one and only Sean Flood. Awesome, awesome to be here. That uh, is one of my favorite songs, but it's one of my favorite songs because uh, in eighth grade, uh, my mom and I listened to that song together for the first time, and it has become kind of our jam, no matter that I live in, a, in another country. She's actually in Ireland visiting now and, and hopefully listening, so. So I know she's Shout listening. Shout out to my mom. And I know your wife, Jacqueline, is listening. So uh, great to have them on board. So we could take this conversation a zillion different ways. We know each other a really long time. You've done my Tell Me Something Good. You've done this before. So I think it's more like an update because with entrepreneurs, no two days are alike. So what? where in the world is Sean Flood? <laughs> Man, well, it's it's great to be back, uh, and and I love these conversations. So in Germany right now, as you said in the opening, at uh, the world's largest bike and mobility show, Eurobike. Uh, I want to say the last time I did the show I was actually in Amsterdam at a, a similar similar show. Uh, I promise I am home sometimes, but uh, this is I mean this show is the biggest trade show I've ever seen, and for a guy who's into bikes and scooters and all that, it's uh, you know it's my birthday and Christmas all rolled together. So. Yeah, in uh, in Germany yesterday, I was in London at a similar show. So this is this is trade show and selling season as as it would be. So when we last reported to people, we you and David and team created something called EFOV Ventures. Mm -hmm. um, I got involved. Mark got involved. Uh, we brought Brett Frazzi to the uh, to the party. Uh, but we've evolved. So give us uh, give yeah. us an update on what's happening. So, you know, there's some interesting things. I think it's, it's a bit of like a personal development as well. So I sold this company in 2019 in the mobility space. We all started EFO Ventures thinking that the investment side of it was where we would kind of thrive. And that was our next leg. Very successful in it. <clears throat> but about eight months ago, we realized that we had invested or, or incubated all these companies in the Mobitech space. And we wanted to put six of those together. Dave, myself, Brett, you, we, we, we're operators at the end of the day, not check writers. And uh, it took us about eight months to put these six companies together. And last week we announced the formation of Today, which is a Moby Tech operating business in Europe, uh, the UK and the US. So I got to step away from the day-to-day -day of being an investor back into the grind of operating and growing a business, which is is definitely my happy spot uh, from a, from an entrepreneur standpoint. So I'm in it. I'm, I'm in every aspect of it right now that that's consuming, consuming my days. So I want to share, um, if you can, the sort of the mindset that you take to understanding you and the role you play, um, all of the outside influences, where you take direction. You know, being an entrepreneur, ultimately you go with your guts. You know, you got to have a feeling where to go. So like, how do you manage all of the voices in your head? Yeah. Well, I'd say to be fair, I have evolved over time, but I haven't changed. Like, you know, there's some, there's some things that just don't change, right? Like I have evolved and learned that, you know, my last company went from me, my wife and my buddy to, you know, 200 people when we finally sold it. So there was an evolution there that I learned, but 
I'm still very much the same. What I missed was being in the mix, like being involved in every aspect of the business and getting my hands dirty and, and all of that. So, so I think for me, uh, and, and every entrepreneur is different, it takes wanting to be involved in the business and, and like seeing an end game. And when I say end game, it does not mean the sale of the business. It doesn't mean a hundred million dollar, you know, exit and, and, and money in the bank. It means like what you want the business to do. Now, for me, it's for the world, right? I, I believe people should move on electric, light electric vehicles, and it's going to change the way people move around. So like, that's my like future date. And I'm all in on that. So that's what wakes me up in the morning, it wakes me up in the middle of the night. It's what makes it hard to go to bed. Uh, it's, it's all consuming for me, the, the kind of space in the sector. And, and that's where, where I think I, I thrive. Um, and you've stayed fairly genuine to that all the time that I know you all the time that we've worked together or not, you've stayed pretty genuine. The, you know, the deflection, if you will, into the investment side of things was sort of uncomfortable for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I'm fortunate to have good counsel, right? Like you as a, as a friend and a business partner, when I say I haven't changed, the evolution is then listening to people around you who say, Hey, if you, you get too close to the sun, you'll, you'll burn yourself. Right. And that, that burnout is, Hey, you've got to pick your priorities. You've got to say, you know, you tell me this all the time. You've got to say no to certain things or the things you're working on and your personal and, and family, something's going to suffer. So I'd say that's the thing I've gotten a little better at. Uh, I am a, work in progress in that regard. But that's always been my challenge is where does work and personal start and stop? And how do you, how do you manage all the, uh, all the different things pulling you in different directions that aren't business? You went there because, you know, big topics on this particular show, you know, are how do I balance time with my family and still be, you know, that stereotyped entrepreneur that's hard at it and grinding away. And then, you know, where, where do you have time for you? in all of that. I mean, you picked up your family and moved to Ireland. And when you told me that, I honestly thought you were kidding. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, yeah. no, no, we're leaving. We're gone. And we bought a castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It, Jacqueline, my wife told me at one point, I've said this a few times, like she read an article about like, you have to pick three things you like, you know, if it's friends, family, work, so on and so forth. Like what are the three things you could pick? And, you know, I, I, I said like health, family and work and she's like i believe the family but you'd pick work twice if that was the one right like that that's kind of the mentality that her and my kids have uh i've seen it like i was raised around it my parents were the same way entrepreneurs from from the day they they got together my mom kind of started their first business so i don't know anything other than them all blending together and luckily i've got a, an ecosystem that understands the like nutty professor side of my personality when it's all consuming that my kids and my wife get the the negative sometimes of that. And, and then I think a lot of times the positive, but it's. So if you can, um, and, and I don't need you to get, you know, very, very detailed, but we always talk to people about their challenges, like what's working and what's not working. Maybe unpack some of that, you know, being in a global business, being in something where you're traveling a ton again, what's working and what's not working. Yeah, I, I thought a lot about this recently. Um, my kids are are three, six, and eight, almost four, seven, and nine, uh, two boys and a girl. And, and to your point, I live in Ireland. And now our business is global. So I used to just deal with living in Charleston, having an office in LA and the time difference there. Now I live five hours in the future to the folks on the East Coast, eight 
for the West. And now we're dealing with like, you know, uh, four or five different time zones in, uh, in Europe. So there's no schedule. So what, what I struggle with, what's not working is how do you manage that? And, you know, I, I've always boiled it down to the end of the day, it's probably ego, right? I'm not the most important person in the team, but where do I, where do I jump in? Where do I, uh, you know, delegate to others? But it is the personally the biggest challenge I have, right? It's, it's, I'm always accessible by this and not being able to put this away and be present, you know, where, where my feet are is out of 10, I'm a three in, in that regard. Like if I've got a phone near me, I'm not thinking, I'm not giving a hundred percent of the other people in the room and it's daily struggle. And I'm, I'm, I'm 30%. I'm not, I'm not even halfway there. I'm glad you're saying that. Cause I can just hear Helen going, yeah, that's Steve too. That's, yeah. I just yeah. can't help myself. You know, it's like, Oh my God, somebody just did this. And you know, so, you know, that sense of urgency, I think we all, you know, we all struggle with, but you seem to have managed it pretty well. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the support system, right? I think uh, I've got a, I've got a spouse who is very accepting of it, honest and says, Hey, you've got to do better at this. Like she doesn't just let me off the hook with it. Um, but it's, it's more for the kids. Like the thing that I'm going to work on this next year is how to solve that. Like, I do think we can build a big businesses and have all of those connections and stay close to your friends. But I, uh, the disconnect of time with the kids and being present where I don't want them thinking of dad as this, and they think more of that than I'd like them to today. Um, I want them to see like, he's building a great business and they, you know, my kids love what I do. Uh, my, my eight-year-old went to Amsterdam with me last week, skipped school for a few days just to go to a mobility conference and was out all day, out all night and like part of the business. So I think they get it, but you still have to have something that's not what dad does for a living. So that's great. I mean, Mark unpacked that, you know, when we did our one-on-one, which we did live, we, we did a in-person live huddle and uh, look at Helen. <laughs> There's Helen. Yes, you read my mind. <laughs> I told you, man. She, she's so great. Um, but, you know, M- Mark talked about all of the time that I brought him with me where I just said, hey, I'm going to put you in this environment I want you to know it, understand it, feel it. I'm not telling you this is what you need to do for a living, but I at least want you to experience what I experience. And, you know, clearly the, when you and I met, I was there for Mark, but you yeah. met Jake. I mean, you know, like, I think you got Jake into a Tallahassee bar and he was like nine. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't legal, but, uh, but I, I just, I, like I, you know, the kids are so young, right? So deciding what they're going to do, you know, they've already, they've already wanted to do 10 things since the day they were born. It might have nothing to do with building a business, but what I do is, and what other entrepreneurs do is different. It's different than going to an office every day and working for somebody else. And I think as long as they want to be around it and learn from it, those skills that, that you learn and watch by building a business, you could then go be the world's best employee somewhere else when you saw what it was like to you know, to make the sausage behind the scenes for those people to get there. Right. So they don't ever have to be creative creators at all. But I think when they see it and they go work for somebody else and be like, Hey, I get what he or she did to build the company that I'm working for, no matter how big or small it is. So they they kind of saw behind the curtain. Uh, That is probably like the most unbelievable nugget, because if you don't know, like I deal with a lot of companies where the employees really just have no idea what, running a company 
is like. They have no idea the decisions, you know, Lori Salarillo, who's on this show, you know, a couple of times a week, me and her talk about it all the time, is that there's so many decisions that affect so many lives that, you know, unless you have some scope of what it's like behind the curtain, you know, you think everything's about you. You're you're either giving me or taking away from me and it has nothing to do with you. It's, you know, we can make decisions at scale. So um, if you can, so you've been a successful guy in a couple of different categories um which kudos to you what are the traits that you think have made you successful i wrote about those things in my book and yes for everybody who wants to make a joke i did write a book uh, uh, so what what would you say your process what are your traits what are the three things that sort of live co- as constants that have made you successful yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for saying it. So, and, and I've been not successful as well, right? Like I've, I've had, uh, and even the last company I sold was, was, uh, was not an overnight success. It was a multiple overnight failure until, until we finally got it uh, humming along. Right. So it takes a lot of, a lot of time to do it. I think one, you've got to be passionate about what you're doing, right? You know, that, that doesn't mean you're married to it and it won't change and evolve and, and the business will grow, but you have to believe in it. There are way too many people who get into business thinking, oh, this is a quick path to money or, you know, the performer told me that I'm going to be rich. So let me just go that. If they don't care about it, you're not going to be ready for the next thing, which is this is hard. Like it doesn't matter what business, big, small, any industry, this is not easy. It is all consuming. It's going to stress you financially, personally. It doesn't matter how much money you've raised. There's all of those challenges. So I think the grit that it takes to do it, people need to be honest with themselves on the front end if they've got it. And, and I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners who, if you went back three or four years when they got into the game, somebody probably wasn't honest with themselves about, am I really in it for the right reason? And am I built to do this, to do this part of it? Uh, and then the last thing I'd say is you can't do it alone. Um, I, you know, I'm not a one-man band now. I wasn't when we had you know, a few people starting you have got to put the right people around you, whether you can afford to pay them, give them equity, beg, beg, borrow and steal. But it's a lonely, lonely job. And it's an impossible one to do by yourself, no matter what industry. Those are incredible nuggets. Shay, I hope you're in the backdrop taking notes because those would be <laughs> certainly ones, ones to share. The next question, and it's sort of self-serving, but because of our relationship all along, you believe in coaching. You believe in bringing in outside eyes for various reasons. So comment on what coaching, and I know you have other coaches besides me. I'm curious what your take is and what brings you to that. It's, um, look, I went through evolution where I didn't fully understand it before. I would say, you know, I had friends, you included, and I thought that a lot of what you got professionally to learn was from these peer groups, and that would move you along. And some of that's true. One of the things that I've evolved to f- fully believe is you need somebody who can truly coach you, right? And I've, I've engaged with you a few different times throughout the career. And the difference of like when we're sitting out having a drink after work, that's good conversation and helpful, right? Advice from a friend. Maybe the best I mean, one was have... on Sally though, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the number of martinis made it a little blurry at the end, but I think there was some quality in there, in there as well. Uh, one, of the, one of the best trips, best trips to LA I've ever had. Um, but the, what I understand now of coaching in a finite window with an agenda and things you want to cover 
is the movement that happens in that period of time, right? So you and I spend 20 minutes talking about a specific thing that I share. The, the direction you, you give is honest, accurate. It's not biased by friendship. It's true. You listened with your coach ears and then you answered it. That re response to me, you can't get in a book. You can't get just with friends sitting around. Like you, you need somebody who, who in a lot of times, right, you're exchanging money for time and that then has to be the barometer for if it's working. It's like, it, it's like anything. If you don't pay for it, there's probably almost no value in it. And coaching is, is to me, again, a new learned thing. Sean, three or four years ago, I would have been like, I still don't get it. But well, I know you know, now what I need. That because when I did work for your company, gotcha, yeah. and I was flying around the country, you were like, oh, we're just going to put a coach in there and like see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I would do my work and you'd like fly in afterwards. We'd have dinner and do whatever. You know, the engagement right. piece, I've seen you grow where you're legitimately absorbing that information and the topics we discuss are so relevant that you, when you get better, everybody else around you sees it. So um, any other thing you want to share with us, an update on what's happening at the show would be wonderful because I don't think yeah. people really grasp what's going on in the mobility or Moby tech, as we call it, what, what's really happening. And we'll go to overtime. You earned overtime, dude. That's good. Yes. Um, I, look, I, I think this, this uh, everybody has a different opinion of it, but this is the future. Uh, and, and this isn't just people are going to ride scooters, right? That's the, that's the lazy way of viewing it. I think the way we move around our communities around the world is drastically changing. I think my kids won't own a gas-powered vehicle. They won't own a car that's them by themselves. And what I'm seeing here is, what I call micromobility 2.0. So like the next version of it, where it becomes much more mainstream, starts to get to the, the next level of the bell curve, uh, not just early adopters. And to me, it's really exciting. It's probably the reason that I've doubled down and jumped back into doing it. I, I could have walked away after the first company, um, but I think this next leg of mobility around the world is, is gonna be pretty exciting. And that's hardware and software and all the exciting things that happen around it. So could you give us one specific that we will see, you know, because, you know, all of us have that vision of the Jetsons, you know, where that scooter's going to fly, yeah. you know? Yeah. What's realistically happening, like what you're seeing at the show that we could all see, like all over the place? You're going to see uh, bikes and scooters and all of mopeds and all of those things. But what's been missing is this small vehicle that's protected by the, the from the elements. That's one, two, maybe three people. So these small like Jetson-esque vehicles um, is is the trend. Like we're so used to big cars because we have big streets. But as the streets shrink because more people want to bike, walk, have restaurants there like we do in Europe, then cars get smaller, too. And then it's safer. You start to go shorter distances and interact with your community. So that vehicle shrinking and us getting used to not needing, like I had a Suburban when I lived in the U.S., so it's the pot calling the kettle black. But I think <laughs> shrinking vehicles is going to be going to be the, the game changer and, and how we all evolve a bit. So Mercedes came out with their smart whatever vehicle that yeah. was not electric, Um you know, suit, you know, even though gas is still an issue, people are still buying these gigantic vehicles, bigger, stronger, you know, uh, bulletproof, if you will. How do you see that change taking place in the economy? 
I think it's an evolution that, you know, all those folks, BMW, Mercedes, they, they almost made those vehicles too early. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of why they, they flopped and they were just maybe a, a niche thing. Now electric is the change agent. So the first thing is let's electrify the cars we're all used to, right? Tesla, so on and so forth, that size. Once people get to that and they get comfortable charging, then I think the next evolution is smaller. It's a lot easier to make smaller electric vehicles than small, smaller gas powered. So I think you've got to go through that process. We're already seeing it, right? In the next three or four years, everything will be electric. You won't buy a gas powered car. And then within 10 years, you won't buy a car that's the size of a traditional, a traditional vehicle. Look, I think your car already has two seats or that are, that are actually usable. You're going to get down to even smaller. <laughs> right. You cannot sit in the back seat of my car. <laughs> no, no, you don't want to. No. And, and truthfully, right. right. Think about it. You don't need to like how, how often do you need to bring four people with you? Never. Yeah. And with the, you know, the advent of Uber, you know, it's just easier to do that. You know, when Mark yeah. goes to Miami to pick up guy, he Ubers, you know, boom, gets out, da, 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 then calls another Uber and goes home. No parking, no nothing. So um, I love that you're on the cutting edge. I love that we get to do good things together. It uh, enhances our friendship. I can't wait to see you once again. Thank you for spending the time. Any parting words? No, thank you for having me. I love it. I love this uh, forum and uh, and community that we all get to uh, to engage. And I always love the connections after I get a chance to uh, to chat. So I would just say, you know, if you if you have that idea to be an entrepreneur and that business idea, talk to people around you. I'm always available to talk to folks who have an idea and want to get into it. And uh, that might end with them not doing the business, but if it ends with them doing doing it, then I'm I'd, I'd love to be a part of it and help. And sometimes it's the money you save, not the money you make. <laughs> Right. The thing you didn't buy. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Love you, brother. Yeah. Love you Be too, good, man. everybody. Good to see, you. see you on Monday. Let's get down to business. Please don't worry about me. I'm about to let my heart speak. Friends keep telling me to leave this. So let's get down. Let's get down to business. Let's get down. Let's get down to business.